welcome to the Nittany Blues Podcast. By Penn State fans, for Penn State fans. Here are your hosts, Andrew and Vince. Hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome back to the Nittany Blues podcast. Penn State is coming off of a tense 33-24 victory over the Indiana Hoosiers. They get back in the win column after their heartbreak in Columbus. Uh, Vince, I think we both have a lot that we want to talk about uh, regarding this game. I certainly have a lot of notes, but what are some of your thoughts coming off of this game? Uh, initial thoughts. Uh, overall, I thought it was a hangover game. Uh, the, the energy was very low, uh, you know, not only from, <laughs> I feel like fans, but uh, the players as well. And, you know, heard some reports of, you know, people goofing around on the sideline and not being super serious. Um, so like there's like, oh, we're playing two in five Indiana. So I, I think it was an opponent that we we t- took lightly. Uh, we did not execute at a high level. Uh, our our defense uh, gave up more yards than Indiana's defense, which is a wild statistic in itself. But um, yeah, it was just it just went to show that uh, they were still kind of hanging on Ohio State. And if this had been like a Rutgers or a Maryland, this would have been uh, Coach Franklin's definition of turning one losses into two losses. Yeah, for me, this was the classic James Franklin team playing completely flat after a loss and only winning the game because they're playing a team that's not very good. Like Indiana might be the worst team in the Big Ten and Penn State needed basically its version of a miracle with a long completed pass for touchdown in order to beat that team like that in of itself is a huge red flag for me because James said during the press conference, like, we got to be careful not to let this this loss get us twice because that's happened in the past. And so, like, if. I'm kind of behind the scenes. I'm kind of saying, okay, like we know that this is a problem. This has been a problem in the past. What are the levers that we didn't pull in years past that we need to pull this time around to make sure that this doesn't happen? Because it damn damn near did. And like that, it was, it was, it was rough, you know, for a long time in this game. Like I went through like a range of emotions. Like in the first quarter, I like straight up said to myself, I'm like, this is Mike Yersich's last year. This offense is atrocious. It can't move the ball at all. There's no consistency. We saw no innovation like in the run game or anything like that. We saw the exact same scheme, which to me is just kind of like an admission on Penn State side that like they're going to run what they're going to run. And they're just basically banking on different guys and different position groups playing better. And whether or not that's actually going to be the case, I don't know. But like. Overall, this this offense is below average or at their very best, they are wildly inconsistent. And, you know, it's uh, like, I mean, I, I've got I've got notes like all over the place with this because I just kept like jotting things down as, as the game was going along. Like, I just don't understand how against the worst rushing defense in the Big Ten or, you know, probably like top two or three worst rushing defenses in the big 10, we still could not get the running game going. 
still way too many tackles or first contact being within one yard of the line of scrimmage. The offensive line not getting a single push, like running lanes not being opened up. I don't think it's a coincidence that the most effective run play that they have in their repertoire right now is the one where they run the inverted eye and the tight end is lined up right next to Drew in the shotgun. Like that extra lead blocker actually makes a huge difference um, because right now the line just can't get a push and open things up on it on their own. And I think that's a huge, huge problem. Like this is supposed to be a strength of the team and it just, it's just not. So, you know, I, so it's like when you couple that and like, what seems to be like a rapidly declining uh, pass protection uh, capabilities of the line. And we're, you know, we're starting to see just like what this offense is going to be. Like we're not in the zone of like, okay, like we got to keep things like under wraps for Ohio state and Michigan. It's like, no, this is the offense that we have and we need to make sure that we're able to execute it so that we're able to beat Indiana. And that is that, that was really concerning. Um, I mean, ultimately Penn state got the win, but there, there was a lot to, you know, not liking this one. Yeah. And I know when I see the, how they have that one and O cam at, at the end of the game and all <laughs> like all the players were, were like walking through and screaming and being like, yeah, one and one and like, it's like, dude, you, you needed a lot of things to go to your way to beat the two and five Indiana Hoosiers who are likely the worst team in the big Ten, And you were at home. Like, what are you jacked up about? Like, I'd be fucking pissed. Excuse my language. Maybe we'll edit that out. But <laughs> like, I don't know. I, I'm just imagining like, I don't know, let's say I had a meet, a cross country meet and we like barely beat the, the worst team in the, in the PSAC. I would have been like, I don't know, borderline, like throwing, like going off and like throwing chairs or something. Like if that happened, like it's just, it, it, it baffles me that, that like they seem pleased with this performance. And yeah, when you're not performing to, to your capabilities as an athlete, you should be angry and upset about that and and trying to get better. And, um, if you lose to a team like Ohio state, that should be fuel to your fire. You should want to be going back and wanting to prove everyone wrong. You should like smack Indiana 70 to nothing at home. Like in in that area, like that, that's where they should have been uh, against this Indiana Hoosier squad. And, the fact that it was just walking through the motions and needing a lot of things to go your way to score on like a, a fourth and one, we, we ran, we like faked the line lunge or the QB sneak. And luckily no one guarded Khalil Dinkins and he was open for a touchdown. Like, yeah, that was good for us. Indiana messed up and didn't guard a guy and he was wide open. Yeah. Like that went our way. Um, Kicking game, uh, Alex Falcons hit, hits a 49, 50-yard field goal. Um, their kicker misses one. That's that's another six-point swing right there. That's another touchdown swing. Um, untimely interception by Drew, first one of the season. Now, credit to him. He set a FBS record, 311 completions without – or attempts without an interception. That's that's really impressive, and but really bad point in the game to have a turnover. And thank, thankfully, defense decided to show up. They held him to a field goal. And, you know, thankfully, Drew had the, the mental resilience to uh, bounce back after the mistake and made a really incredible throw to Keandre Lambert-Smith. And Keandre Lambert-Smith made an even better catch. And 
the ability to uh, tightrope the sideline and not get knocked out of bounds by the defender. Uh, really elite body control and impressive play. Um, so I, it was good that they were able to bounce back. There were some good things in this game. I, I did like that they were running the, you know, the quarterback sneak or the lines lunge, as we like to call it here. Um, I'm glad they got back to it because it's a play that works. You saw them get back to the wing T on, on Nick's rushing touchdown. It's a play that works. So I am glad that they're going back to some of these things, but the, the fact that the the bulk of the plays are are not working is, is still a, a major area of concern for me. Yeah, absolutely. And I want to talk about that, that pass, uh, you know, in a couple different ways. The first way that I want to talk about it is not super positive. And the reason that I'm saying it's not super positive is because, well, for one thing, I'm glad that they took these shots because like all the underneath stuff, it wasn't working. Like, I, I don't know if Drew was like still rattled from the game against Ohio State or whatever the case may be, but you know, everybody, you know, like the the mantra of like the first half of the season was like, it's okay if we're like checking it down or stuff and we're like moving the ball and stuff like that. This week he was checking down to running backs who had a guy right on him, like for a tackle for loss for two yards. And so, and so it, that wasn't working. Like that part of the game was not working for Penn State. So I was glad that they were taking the shots. Um, but this is going back again to what Franklin was saying about, you know, guys needing to make plays for Drew and like that there's really like not much separation, like within the wide receiver group, guys kind of showing that they need consistent playing time and stuff like that because they ran that type of route three times and only one of those guys came down with the ball. Um, they ran it to, uh, Dante Cephas slowed up on the route, didn't get the ball. They threw it to Malik McLean, slowed up on the route, didn't get the ball. He threw it to uh, Keandre Lambert-Smith, maybe a touch underthrown. However, I think he might have been over, like kind of course correcting himself because he said, hey, like visually it looked like I overshot those guys, even though those guys like you can see it, you know, when you look back at the replay, they slowed down. So I got to like maybe put a bit more air under this, like, you know, not go as deep. Whereas like Keandre had the speed. He had, he had the speed to like get under it and he made a great adjustment, um, got just enough separation that he needed, um, at the, at the point of the catch, you know, high pointed beautifully and body control. Like you said, that was, that was the play that Penn State fans have been craving all year long. And, you know, what I hope kind of, you know, getting this, getting into like the positive portion of this thing, I'm hoping that this is kind of like the, this is where it all kind of clicked moment for not only Drew, but for the offense, because like, that's just the play that we haven't seen before. And it's all, it almost seemed like up to this point that they were like afraid to take that shot. And I don't know if like afraid is like, maybe not the right word, but like they were super cautious to take that shot. And so, you know, he's like waiting, he's waiting, he's waiting, check down, check down, check down, check down. And then this final, this time saw the man coverage, him and Keandre were on the same page. It's like, all right, like let's let's give this a go, and it worked. And so I'm hoping that that builds up the confidence of Drew, builds up the confidence for the receivers, because like you know what this kind of shows is like you know guys, you don't have to like you don't have to do like a ton here. Like all of you are plenty fast, you're all plenty skilled. You just got to get a little bit of separation and do your job. And Drew can put the ball anywhere on the field. You just got to be there. So I'm hoping that this has kind of like a cascading effect 
Um, unfortunately, it doesn't absolve the offense from, you know, the previous 58 minutes of football that they put that put out there on the field. But it was an awesome play. It was um, a great bounce back. It was incredible irony that Drew's first like true like go route bomb down the field on the sideline, like tightrope touchdown type of play came right after he threw his first interception. Like the irony of that can only exist in Penn State football. <laughs> yeah, I was really impressed with the ability to bounce back. Like I was watching that game when we had the 10 point lead and then the lead started to dwindle. And I was like, okay, this has very Illinois nine overtime loss vibes. Those are yeah. the vibes it had when I was in the stadium, like exact yeah. same vibes, a little like misty at times. We were supposed to get some good weather, but it was actually like pretty cloudy. Um, so it was just uh, not a, not a good feeling game. And really the, the, the main area I'm looking at is this offensive line. Like mm-hmm. it's just the offensive lines getting nothing the wide receivers are going giving no separation i think the tight ends are really the the only group that's like doing something the best the best like i think catcher he, on the team is tyler warren hands yeah. down yeah and i would just rather have tyler warren theo and khalil dinkins out there like give me more dinkins I like put him on the field more he, he's making plays out there when the ball when he has the opportunity and mm-hmm. you know he got a little bit more size and Maybe that helps with the blocking and getting the running game going, or you know, at the very least, you know, we got bigger bodies out there, so I can maybe get us an extra yard or two in the in the run game, run game to get us some more advantageous uh, field positions on, on on the early downs, so you're not getting too far behind the chains. So I I think that's that's the way they should go. They should just have Keandre out there do some three tight end sets and more like two back sets so you have uh both k tron and nick out there because we need to get the guys out there that are producing and you know nick and k tron they're doing the same thing they're doing last year it's just the offensive line play has regressed at a level that is so high throughout the course of the season it, it's yeah. kind of mind-boggling to, to see that happen especially you know with a guy with the acumen of hunter norzad and olu Fashano, who um correct me if i'm wrong but uh, so far, before Indiana, he hadn't given up a sack in his entire college career. Now that's different than r- running block blocking, but mm-hmm. still, it's just like, why? Why is this guy a, a top five overall prospect in the draft? But we're not getting a, a push that we can run the ball. And you know, uh, obviously, it takes everybody. Like Olafashanu can't block two or three people, but why are why why is nothing happening? No, so, I, I I completely understand what you you're you're saying. It it's like that's indicative though of like the entire line as a whole. Like the difference in ability should not be like oceans apart from Olu versus like the guy next to him to the point like where they can't get any form of run game going. So I like I I feel exactly the same way, and I I'll tell you what, man, like. Maybe this team really, really, really needed Landon Tangwall this season because that that loss is looming rather large right now. Yeah, it it is. It's uh, this is a huge concern. I'm very concerned going into Maryland. Now, yeah. Maryland seems to be a, a, a bit of an enigma. You know, ne- it's a team you never know what you're going to get from them. Uh, 
you know, Maryland starts off five and zero. They play Ohio State pretty well. That's their only loss, and then they lose to Illinois Northwestern. Like very strange thing. Like I don't know if the Terrapins just like turn into a pumpkin once like Halloween rolls around and <laughs> they they, they yeah. forget how to play football. Like I right. hope that's the case because like we need the help. Like cause we we're str- it was a struggle out there with Indiana and yeah. Things could have went south pretty quick in that matchup. So, yeah, heading into Maryland, I, I'm not sure. Uh, typically, we do really well in College Park. Like We do better down there than we do in Beaver Stadium when we play Maryland, which is very weird. Like, I, yeah. I don't think you can say that about Penn State with any other opponent than Maryland. It's it's a very strange thing. But also, we typically raise our, our, our game to Ohio State, which we did not this year. So... Mm-hmm. Well, we do that against Maryland. I, I can't really say I'm, I'm sure, sure of that. And it's, this is extremely concerning. Um, yeah. And, you know, thankfully that the defense turned on at the end and they were able to flip that switch, but like, you know, Indiana can, can still make some plays like they're D one athletes, you know, like something can still happen. Uh, so that was like a really big concern that they didn't get things going early. And the fact that it was a, two really long explosive pass plays mm-hmm. where we didn't have the speed to, you know, catch up to the guys and bring them down. Like that was just like two fifty yard bombs. And well, they were both just like, like what, are, what, what are we doing? I mean, maybe yeah. it looks different on when you're watching the TV as in person, but it was, yeah, it was totally busted coverage though. Cause on the, on the one they put, they put Zach E Wheatley as the slot corner and the guy just like blew by him. Um, and on the second one, um, both corners came in for the blitz. Nobody, nobody was uh, picking up the wide receiver. And uh, and um, sorry, I'm blanking on the name here. And Jalen Reed was the only one. He had no help over the top, so he just he you know he, he just had no shot. So to me, it was just more of like a lack of focus, a lack of like just kind of being ready like within the game to like do do your job and like it's just, just kind of lackadaisical um you know like like we we've kind of been saying like you know maybe they like took this team like too lightly or whatever but yeah i mean just very like uncharacteristic things they showed manny diaz on the sidelines like you know uh further further along in the game like when the defense like finally started to play like the defense and he looked pissed like he was he was not having it and um, which I, I think which I'm I'm grateful for, because I mean, like he he expects excellence out of his unit. That's been, you know, kind of the rock of this program all season long so far. And they they looked bad at times, like they looked straight up bad. And, you know, there were there were certain drives in there, too, where, you know, they weren't getting torched, but they just could not get off the field. And we had moments where bad tackling reared its ugly head again. We had moments where um, this team forgot how to defend the run again for some reason. Um, there, I mean, and I think like honestly, one of the biggest indictments is that on that one play where Indiana botched the snap, the guy has to like scramble backwards, grab the ball, roll out to his right, and complete the pass for a first down on like fourth and whatever it was. And Penn State needed like them to overturn the call and like call it incomplete in order to like get off the field. Like 
that's a major freaking problem. Like this yeah. team, this team is not good. Like it, you know, on paper in any facet of the game. And so like, we're talking about this team, like they're like a top five, top three defense. And like, you need this kind of break, like get out of here. <laughs> yeah, this is, uh, just something that, yeah, really the, the defense was, I, I think, even more disappointing than than the offense, to be quite frank with you. Uh, this is, the, Indiana does have a, a decent defense uh, when you look at their numbers. So they're an all right defensive squad that the offense hasn't really done much. And they they looked like stars at times today. And it was uh, really disappointing on the defense. Um, but go, going back to the offense, I, I have a question for you because I was talking to your, your dad about this a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you think it was almost a, a good thing that Drew did throw his first interception <laughs> and kind of yeah. got that monkey of like being perfect off of his back? And maybe like he was kind of saying that, okay, like he's not throwing the ball to a target unless they're like wide open. Like he's not taking any risk. Do you think Mm -hmm. that getting that monkey off the back is going to maybe help him take some more of those more appropriate risks? Not like throwing in a double coverage or like getting in the the tightest window possible, but you know, putting a little going, maybe going for it a little bit more. And even if it's a risky throw. Yeah, I don't know. Risky, risky, but very makeable throw. Yeah, no, I understand what you mean. Like you have to like have you have to be able to accept accept some level of risk as a quarterback. Like you're never going to have the 100 percent guaranteed play out there, especially like at this level. Like you got to quickly analyze like what's in front of you, what you're seeing, and then make a snap decision based on that data. And so and so like as things are like kind of progressing, like you have to like accept some level of risk you know just knowing that okay, okay my pass isn't perfect there's a chance that it could be like picked off and stuff like that but the potential rewards for like completing this pass are like x y and z so like all this is happening like within seconds and so it's 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 like what you know all the top quarterbacks have to do and it's a really tough job um i don't really know the answer to that question i mean maybe maybe subconsciously it had like some like some kind of impact like that because like i said i mean the very next drive he throws, you know, that 57 yard bomb, which is like something we haven't seen this season before. I mean, I don't even really count Keandre's long touchdown against West Virginia in that category because that was just a broken tackle or that was like just a muffed tackle sort of situation. Um, but so I like the thing, like the reason why I say I don't, I don't know or can't say for certain if this had this kind of effect, because he said after the game, he didn't even know he threw an interception until he came to the sideline and saw the defense on the field. He thought he threw an incomplete pass and that they were coming off the field for the punt unit. So he threw the thing. He was like on the ground because he got pressure because, you know, the offensive line couldn't, you know, block toddlers in that game. But um, so he got up. He like went to the sideline because, you know, he just knew that they didn't like complete the pass. So I don't even know if it had like the kind of impact that you're talking about here where he, you know, kind of sees he throws the interception kind of realizes that the world is not ending because he threw an interception or something like that. And all of a sudden, like there's kind of like a mental lift or like a mental load, like off his shoulders or something like that. I don't know the, I don't know the, if that's like kind of how I I would classify it. Um, I know there, there's a huge crowd of people out there who felt that way 
that like, you know, maybe in a way it was good to kind of like rip off that bandaid. Um, I'm kind of, I, I'm still kind of like in the, you know, I'm never going to like quote unquote root for my team to like turn the ball over. Yeah, um, yeah of course, you know? <laughs> so, um, so I mean, I don't know. It's a weird, it's a weird thing. Um, but you know what, if, if he starts like ripping and ripping now and like throwing into these tight windows because he sees like, like maybe like what he's finally going to see on the field, like in a game matches, like what he believes his arm talent can accomplish, then maybe we can come back to that moment and say, okay, like maybe this was the moment like where he decided, like he kind of figured out, Hey, I can maybe push the envelope a little further. So I don't know. What are your thoughts though? Like what, what was the consensus or the, you know, kind of the general feeling of the crowd of our crowd? I mean, uh, of our crowd. Um, yeah. it was definitely like, like, Oh no. When he threw the interception, like, it was just like, wow, oh, like, of course. We're gonna, yeah. it was like, we're going to lose no, this game. But then yeah, exactly when, how he, I when he yeah. comes back and it makes the amazing throw to Keandre, we're like, okay, like this is exactly what you want to see, you know, Drew do. Like when a corner gets yeah. burned, you want them to respond and get a pass break up the next, next series. So Drew did the equivalent of that and he was fine. It was fine. Like that's how you yeah. bounce back. It, it obviously did not affect him mentally. So really good that he's just able to shake that off. And, and, uh, you know, I even see Jalen shirt, J- Jalen hurts do this. He's like, oh, shit happens and moves on yeah. to the next play. And you got to have exactly. memory, uh, you know, not only as a corner, but as a, a quarterback. So I think it was really important that he did that, but to also just go out there and, and nail that level of difficulty of throw, uh, really impressive. So makes you feel good heading into Maryland uh, that if the game dictates it, he's going to take that shot. And mm-hmm. early in the game, that when you're up 10, you know, you, know, you don't need to take that risk. You you got to, you know, go off of the feel of the game. That's that's part of it. And having situational awareness and the fact that he did have the situational awareness, uh, not a lot of time left on the clock. You don't want to get into that overtime. It's not not a place if you're the superior team that you want to be and the fact that he just was willing to take that shot i think is is great and that he performed so well because even if he did turn it over your defense is going out there and they're gonna have to go like the full length of the field to score some points so and with the defense really doing well towards the end of the game that was a uh, nice to see and I think it was really that safety was huge. I, I know it was kind of funny because. <laughs> oh my god! I saw that strip. I uh, I think it was Adisa who you predicted. No, right? it was no. So I I, I almost got it backwards. So my oh, prediction Denai was had uh, the yeah deny deny had the force fumble. Okay, and it was funny because I, I saw Hakeem Beeman just like hit it, and then I'm like, oh, the ball's in the end zone. And then I saw like three blue jerseys there. I was like, oh, here, Andrew's communion prediction is going to come true. And I then know. I see the, the football just slowly getting moved. And like, I see like all of our, like the one Indiana guy diving to the ball and knocking out. And just like, there, go, there goes and Andrew's communion prediction just out of the back of the end zone. The ball is just I like sl- moving. Like, I was in the north end zone there. It was just moving in slow motion. And I was just imagining you just like losing it on your couch. <laughs> I was, that's exactly what I was doing. I was like, like he hit him and the ball was out and I saw, I mean, it just, it like from the view on TV, it looked all like only Penn state players were 
like in position to pick up that ball. They were. And and they were like so close to the end zone. I'm like, oh my God, this is it. I'm going to hit on this. And then like they couldn't pick it up and it just kept like rolling. And, you know, guys are just like, like somersaulting all over each other, like knocking the ball. And then like <laughs> once it got into the end zone, I was like, oh man, Adisa, he's got it. He's got it. And then it just rolled out. And I'm like, yeah, this this is how this game is going. Like, not only like are things bad for the offense and the defense at times, but things are bad for my communion prediction because I mean, come <laughs> on, like yeah, that, the uh, the safety that was really huge that point in the game. That's when you knew Penn State. Oh, yeah. wasn't gonna blow it. Right. Um, I mean, once through through the touchdown, I didn't think they were going to blow it. But um, same. Yeah. Yeah. The, the the safety was good. That made it a two possession game, and we got the ball back and could burn burn some more clock, get the defense a, a little bit more of a break, and you know it was it was good overall. So it was a, a mm-hmm. nice finish to a very ugly day. That it things could have went really wrong. Like we got really lucky today that it, it was not worse than it was. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, one thing that I do want to also talk about, and this is less of like you know, evolution or innovation by the offense. But, you know, while the receivers like aren't getting um, separation, like on a consistent basis, um, Drew is also, he also needs to work a bit on his like reading of defenses because he, he just does not seem to be able to kind of read when the blitz is about to come. um, And a guy is like wide open. Like Mm -hmm. I'll, I'll give you, I'll give you an example. Um, when uh he got chased on that blitz right before he threw the interception um you know towards the end of the four of the fourth quarter um the blitz was coming because a guy was lined up man to man on keandre um he I, I forget like what motion they ran but keandre was wide open on that pitch mm-hmm. and catch easy first down just like total textbook like yeah you like read the blitz he like you know that'd be like the one where like troy aikman on fox would be like yeah he, he read the blitz perfectly and he just jumped it over the top and the receiver did the rest like you know that sort of thing like that <laughs> like that that's exactly how that play would have gone but instead you know he didn't he didn't anticipate it he got he got chased by it and you know he ultimately had to like throw it away and whatnot like that happens way too often and like i don't I don't necessarily put that all on Drew like that kind of stuff like that to me is like more coaching, which again, it's like we have all like like one thing that I think is like so frustrating about this team is that we look at the collective like group of coaches that the program has and these are supposed to be like the best of the best when it comes to their units and their positions and stuff like that. And yet we have an offense that doesn't work under a guy who has had great offenses at nearly every place that he's went with an offensive line that is completely anemic coached by a guy who's coached all Americans at Boston college and himself isn't is a national championship winning offensive lineman. Like I don't understand how that disconnect happens, but on the like reading blitz parts and stuff like that, it's like, that's coaching like they got to get into the film room with him. I mean, part of that is just like his innate ability and like um, ability to just kind of anticipate things as a quarterback. But I think that's like a big area of opportunity for for them, because um, we always talk about like take what the defense gives you and the defense was giving them like quite a bit in certain times and it wasn't being taken advantage of. 
Yeah, uh, for sure. And just imagine what this would have been like last year, uh, even like everyone's calling for Clifford's head and booing Clifford. And now they're <laughs> they're finding out that Sean Clifford wasn't so bad. I know. Yeah, I mean, I. I mean, I think that this the offensive line last year was like markedly better than it is this year at, you know, through what is it now? Seven, eight games like through the season. Um, But yeah, I mean, Clifford made the most out of like all of his opportunities and stuff like that. And granted, I mean, like when you're around long enough, you you like start to pick up on those things. Um, But yeah, I think, though, kind of the message that's like kind of being shown through like what's happening in the game and what the coaches are saying, like after the game and during like midweek, like press conferences and stuff like that. Like it seems like Franklin is pretty dang okay. Like with Drew's level of play, like, cause the message that he keeps saying is like, we need guys to step up in these spots. We need guys to like be separating themselves. Like we, we don't have like a true like number two guy or we don't have like a true number three guy. Like that was the message um, at the beginning of the season we don't like we have a one guy and then we have a whole bunch of question marks like that like that that's pretty much like what it comes down to for me but it's, it's like so it seems like you know the message that is kind of being conveyed is that like drew is far from being like the biggest problem when it comes to like the offense in fact like we need we just need you know kind of these these things to click for the rest of the offense and then like we sh- like we're hoping we're hoping to see kind of that explosion that like explosive playability and stuff like that and consistency and sustained drives and stuff like that, which is like good and bad in my opinion, like good because I guess like, you know, you have confidence in your guys and like, you're, you know, kind of challenging them to like be better and stuff like that. Hopefully lights a fire, but it's bad in the sense that like kind of like, you're not innovating. You're not getting creative. You're not trying to figure out ways, more ways to like get the ball um, to like some of these playmakers in space. So instead we're running these like counters that like go for a yard and a half. And then we have like a check down for two yards and all of a sudden it's third and six and a blitz is coming. And like, then, you know, the, uh, you know, everything hits the fan. So I, uh, I just think it's kind of interesting, like, you know, that part of his development, like what kind of, what role does Franklin and Yurcich play in that sort of thing, as opposed to Drew just coming in and, and it's like supposed to be like, you know, amazing at everything, but he still needs like development and coaching and lead and training and stuff like that. Um, and the fact that we have the coaches, that part like hasn't clicked yet. And also the fact that like this message coming out is like, hey, like, you know, there's plenty of parts of this offense that need need this kind of work. I just find that all kind of interesting because it, it's like a message like within the message, like reading between the lines of what limited amount of information James Franklin is willing to give like to the media and like to us as fans. Um, I, I just think it paints an interesting picture. Yeah, it does. And really, I, I hope Penn State takes this as a, you know, a, a wake up call. They, they got to look themselves in the mirror and figure out what they want to be. If they're okay with being mediocre, this is what we're going to see for the rest of the season. If, if they want to be great, uh, they'll, they'll turn it around and, and get locked in. Uh, just, this was not acceptable. This was not Penn state football today. Um, I really hope the coaches, you know, 
light a fire under their rear ends and, and get them, you know, back in gear where they should be. Uh, you know, the defense is a championship defense. They looked like very mediocre defense today. The offense, they need to get back to how they looked at the beginning of the season versus West Virginia. That's that's where they need to be. They need to look how they looked against Iowa. And um, what it's going to take to get there, how it takes everybody locking in, doing their job, executing at a high level. Um, teams have more film on Penn State now than they did, you know, if we're playing West Virginia now, that might be a completely different ball game because they have so much more film on us and teams are learning how to attack Penn State. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, they, they need to take this as a learning opportunity and really execute. Or you, you might see, you could see four losses. Like you, you might see four losses in a row. Uh, I, I don't think it will probably happen at, at Michigan State, but like if they're they're banged up from yeah, you know, if they're going on the road in Maryland where they've not been good on the road all year, they lose to Maryland. Then you got Michigan, who I don't think they're gonna beat. Then you're tired from Michigan and you have a Rutgers squad that is six and two already. You know, that you know, they're, they're, it's not the the Rutgers of old. There's they're not slups this year. You know, they're uh you know, they're yeah. very solid squad they play good defense um so yeah this is things can go south really quickly if they don't get it together which is is a shame because what was great about the season last year is you really saw this penn state squad peaking at the right time and getting better every week the defense just tackles for loss sacks everywhere Mm -hmm. and um not the case today and um, I hope it's not a, you know, downward trend. I, I hope, you know, stock market's gone down and it, it pops back up. You know, I'm hoping <laughs> it's a short, short thing there. I, I mean, but, you know, time's going to tell and it's going to be quick. So all I got to say is I, I hope Penn State's ready for Maryland, especially that defense because defense yep. travels. Yep. Yeah, you are 100% right there. Uh, so you got anything else on this game or do you want to hand out some players of the game? Oh, one kind of funny, th- funny thing I saw. Yeah. Um, so obviously we, we talked about Michigan and like their sign stealing, whatever. Um, that's looking worse and worse every every day. But what I found kind of funny is on the Indiana sideline. I, I, I don't know if I send you. I should have sent you a picture of this, but I didn't. But I'll, I'll send it to you after the pod here. There was like people yeah. walking behind all the signal callers. This is like these big black things. You could like pull them out kind of like a poster almost. And yeah. it was like, like eight feet tall. So like the people on my side of the stadium couldn't see what the, the, those three signal callers were doing. And there was like literally three different people with these like giant, like rollout posters, like blocking my view of like these like three guys like wow that's like the now we weren't doing that on the penn state side but i noticed that on the indiana side and i i um i took a picture of it and but i'm part of me is is almost like thinking okay you're blocking like one quarter of the audience's field of vision like is it worth it to have like three of your personnel just walking behind personnel and like holding up like a big like poster. Like what are your, what are your thoughts on that? Hey man, you never know where 
Connor Stallions is going to be perched. He could be anywhere. <laughs> well, yeah, it's crazy. Like I even read that report that said they, ha- they hired a former G3 football coach to go to the UMass game. And he's like, oh yeah, I, I went and like took signals and did scouting for them. And I left after halftime because it was UMass and it was raining and I just had these tickets. So I went. So it's uh, you know, definitely pretty ugly. Um, I, I did hear that if there are consequences, the NFL is going to apply those as well. If Harbaugh tries to like run away from Michigan and kind of escape to the NFL, do you, do you think the NFL yeah. is going to follow, follow through with that? No, <laughs> no. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Like, they, if they're going to do anything, it's going to be a severely watered down version of like whatever the NCAA would would levy. Um, and the reason why I still think that Harbaugh goes to the NFL is because like this whole thing is not going to go away, whether it's because the NCAA hands out like some kind of like it could be any number of different like levels of punishment. You know, it could be like just a fine, which I think is the best case scenario for the school, but it could also be like suspension for Harbaugh. It could be like, you know, I I mean, it could go all the way up to like lack of like bowl eligibility or something like that. I mean, it could, it could get crazy. I mean, I don't, I don't know, like, cause this is really unprecedented, but my, my thought is that if, you know, if the NFL was going to like apply something, they're not going to like, they're not going to, you know, quote unquote, like suspend him for games. They'll hit him with a fine, but like they'll, they'll find him, they'll get their money and, you know, they'll say, Hey, like we, we did a thing and then everybody will go kind of on their merry way and Michigan, you know, and that athletic department will kind of be left to pick up the pieces. Yeah. Um, I don't really think anything's going to be done. I do think it's kind of funny that they were going to, suspend him for what three games three or four games for like buying cheeseburgers or something which that's uh-huh. not a big deal that's not like competitive advantage or whatever so like you would think they would have a consequence but you, you it's just one of those things you know nothing is going to happen because it's it's michigan um and we'll see you, you even heard tcu saying they knew their signals were, were stolen so they switched them up mm-hmm. in the, the college football playoff their coach has kind of went out and and said that so um yeah yeah, this is a ugly situation now obviously you got to go out there and perform and do what you're supposed to do but like obviously if you know where they're going before they're going to go there that gives you just huge advantage as a defense so yeah for sure which is why i thought like the quote from dion was a little like kind of like burying the lead you know he's like oh like even if you know it's coming you still got to stop it and stuff like that it's like I it's mean, not yeah, hard that, if you know where like true. the guy's going. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, all right, that that's true. That like that is true. However, knowing like what they're going to do also means that like your guys aren't going to be out of position because they run like some kind of motion or something like that, where it looks like they're going to run one thing, but in fact they're going to run this other thing. Like, so if you eliminate the potential like confusion of that other play of that other possibility, like your odds of success increase rapidly so it's like yeah of course you still need to have the guys and like execute to like stop the play but the chances of you stopping the play when you know that it's coming is like it's it's in it's incomparable 
So, Oh, exactly. Um, like, uh, even when I was playing like eighth grade basketball and when you're in eighth grade basketball, they, they maybe give you like five plays. It's like when the other team says something, you're like, Oh, they're just going to do the same thing they did last time. So I was like, I know this guy's going to cut this way. And like, I would recognize the pattern very easily. Exactly. So like, even if the person was like more athletic than me mentally, I'm just like, Oh, I just got to move to this spot before he gets there. And he's coming from this direction. So like I knew yeah. where to go. It's, so, it's, it's not hard. It's not hard. Like, yeah. And this is just like an ultra magnified version of that. And so, yeah, I mean, it's, it, it's, this is like far from over. Cause I mean, now there's the reports of like, you know, and the NCAA has like put investigators on Michigan's campus and is looking through the electronics of the coaching staff and stuff like that. So to me, this this kind of shows that they're they're pretty serious about this. Like, I don't know if it's because they just feel so vexed by Harbaugh that they feel like they need to just get every bit of nook, like every bit of culpability out of every nook and cranny of the Michigan athletic department. Uh, part of me thinks it's hilarious. Um, and, uh, yeah, basically my take is like right now, I don't even really care if, uh, they have Penn state's, um, signals because it's not like our line is going to let it happen anyway. <laughs> yeah. Right. Like I'm not, uh, I'm like, okay, yeah. we're going to score maybe 10 points. Like yeah. that's being generous. <laughs> so like, yeah. so uh, it's, yeah, it's, yeah, it's so weird. Like they're, they're going to play better than they played against Indiana. Like they're they're gonna like play to the competition and stuff like that. I don't think it's gonna make that much of like a, a difference to the point like where Penn State's gonna win the game. But it's just it's just such a case with Penn State football that like you know of course we would like have this like down game when we held you know one of the better offenses in college football to like you know only to twenty points with the defense being out there the majority of the time. Like it's such a it's such an oxymoron. Yeah. And- I never understood like playing down to the competition because like as an athlete, I never did that. Like, so for me, that's always kind of perplexing. Um, I don't know. But yeah, that's yeah. But anyway, I think we can uh, put a bow on that and move on to our players of the game. So uh, yeah, who do we got for the bird brawler this week? Yeah, so I'm I'm double dipping. Um this week around, I gave the bird brawler to deny Dennis Sutton for the game against Ohio state. I'm giving it to him again for this game. Um, this was his, I, I believe his first start at defensive end, um, played really well, was number two on the team in tackles. Uh, he was really involved, um, like all over the field. He, he was like one of the like really reliable guys in run defense that kind of stood out to me. Uh, he forced that he, you know, he got that strip sack um, towards the end of the game that really like put the game on ice. And that was, that was a huge moment, um, big time moment for a big time player. Like that's the kind of uh, thing that he wants to be. Um, and so I think, just think he's fallen through on his promises to himself. You know, he, he said even before, I forget if it was like during his first, his first like off season or something that he wants to be the best defensive end in college football. And, and you get know, plays like that in Penn State history. Exactly. Yep. That too. And so, you know, like making plays like that is just another way to, you know, help him like achieve his goals. And I think that's rather admirable. So deny Dennis Sutton gets the bird brawler for the second week in a row. Yeah. Um, before I give the award, uh, kind of crazy too. like Daquan Hardy almost had another punt return for a touchdown. I know. Just one, 
the one uh, block in the back. Yep. I'm just like, if you got Daquan back there, why are you blocking a guy in the back? Like, all he needs to do is make that one guy miss, and yeah. he's off to the races. So here's a quick, quick question for you. Um, I heard on this other podcast uh, for Penn State that maybe Penn State should try Daquan on offense, like run some run some jet sweeps with him. What do you think? Give him some snaps. Honestly, I don't think it's the worst idea in the world right now. Like have him do a certain package and give him like five or ten plays. Mm-hmm. Mix it up and. Yeah. I don't think it would be bad to maybe even do that with Bo if things are not. It'll be a run heavy package, but yeah, um, you know, it, you get an extra blocker if you have a running quarterback. And yeah, Drew actually, Drew actually had some nice runs today. Some he had he, some good runs. Yeah, uh, I was impressed with his mobility. Everyone's like, "Oh, you don't have a mobile quarterback." Drew's not mobile. And I'm like, "What are people talking?" Like, yeah, I mean, he's not as fast as as Sean, but the guy can the guy can tuck you know, under some defenders, he's like, he can break a couple tackles and stuff. So like, no, he's not a burner, but he's also not afraid to like go out and get you seven yards the hard way. Yeah. Yeah. Like he, he's not going to scamper. He's more of a long strider. Like he just yeah. doesn't have that scamper, <laughs> a very long strider. <laughs> yeah. He's a long With that strider. six foot five frame. Yeah. Um, I, I, I might cheat here for the finale fighter. Um, Couple couple guys I was considering. I, I had deny had a really good game. Mm-hmm. Um, I was also uh, thinking about Alex Falcons, like fifty yard field goal. Like that's that's legit, pretty good. He he was one for two. The other one he missed was fifty three. Now it actually looked good from where I was sitting, but I, I know it was it was off. Uh, how far off was that first kick that he missed from fifty? Not very. I mean, it you could definitely see the gap. Like so, it wasn't one of those deals where. You couldn't tell it on TV. Like you could definitely see that he missed it, but it wasn't because he didn't have the leg. He was just, yeah. his accuracy was a little off. Yeah. So it was nice to see that he had the leg and then kind of right before the half had the, had this put him up 17, 14 and a half. So that was a really big play. Um, so he had a really good game. I was impressed with his performance overall, but the two guys I'm at, I'm going to give the finale fighters this week. I'm going to give it to number one and that's going to be, uh, Oh, I see what you, I see where you're going with this. One. See where I'm going with this. Uh, <laughs> I do. Yeah. Uh, Jaden Reed, big interception to set up that field goal. I think that was a big turning point that Penn state really needed going into the locker room and getting some good vibes going. And then Keandre Lambert Smith, that, that one play was absolutely incredible. Uh, just, the ability, most people, they catch that and they get tackled or go, like got a balance the, or they just the, fall. Yeah. Or they fall on the ground. Like the fact that he was able to maintain his balance, body control, have the guy right there and then still tightrope the sideline into the end zone when scoring did not come easy today. Um, so you need plays like that when scoring doesn't come easy. And the fact that he was able to make the play happen, I thought was really impressive. So those are two guys that really stood out to me. And then, Jaden Reed also had, you know, seven tackles or eight tackles and a tackle for loss too, along with the interception. So I thought he had a great day. So yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to cheat a little bit and give the finale fighter to number one. Cool. I dig it. You know, there were some other sports that had uh, good weekends as well. Uh, women's mm-hmm. soccer. Uh, they won their first uh, game in the big Ten tournament. So they will be playing Iowa on Thursday. They'll have their game and that's going to be 
in Columbus. So they're playing Iowa in Columbus, which is a little strange. Um, men's soccer, they uh, tied their last regular season game, which meant that they are co-Big Ten champions. So they're going to be playing on Friday. They'll be playing Rutgers at home. So, you know, another good anti-Rutgers weekend. So they're they're <laughs> playing at home. Uh, can always hate on Rutgers. Uh, women's hockey beat uh, Syracuse 6-2. to two. So that was really nice to see. Um, you had women's volleyball had an up and down weekend. Uh, oh, wait, sorry. Women's hockey won uh, four to two and six to two. So they swept Syracuse uh, women's volleyball beat Michigan three to one and then lost. They got upset by Michigan state three to two. So up and down weekend in the, in the state of Michigan. And then uh, we had uh, field hockey. They're going to be playing on. Thursday this week, they're going to be playing the Buckeyes, uh, 11 o'clock in Ann Arbor. So a little bit of another awkward location. They'll be playing in the the big 10 tournament. So that's going to be a big game. Women's hockey is going to be at Lindenwood this weekend. They'll have a series there. Um, big, big volleyball game coming up. Nebraska's coming to town Friday night, rack hall. I'm going to be there. That'll be my first volleyball game ever. So I'm like pretty stoked to go and, Really? Okay. Yeah. So I've been trying to get, get down there to these volleyball games and it just hasn't happened. Um, so looking forward to it. Uh, and then men's hockey is going to be home Saturday and Sunday, which is kind of an unusual matchup for them, uh, for the hockey team, but they're playing seven 30 at home and then uh four 30 on Sunday. So it'll be nice to see men's ice hockey starting off their season. And then um, another squad we have men's basketball. They're playing a, a charity game at Robert Morris. They won 68 to 58. Uh, Kudis Wahab led the way with uh, 15 points. Uh, you also had Ace Baldwin Jr. with uh, 13. So he looked pretty good. Um, but big area of concern for me um, was shooting. Uh, the percentages were not very good. They shot 22% from the field. So I, I have a feeling this is going to look like some old school kind of Pat Chambers, you know, really, you know, grinded out defense and you're trying to win the game like 60 to 58 in the Big Ten. So I think it's going to be those type of games. Now, you were missing a couple, you know, contributors. You were missing uh, Puff Johnson and Leo Boyle. Uh, those are two guys can, who can knock it from uh, knock it down from deep. And uh they're, they're dealing with like minor injuries right now. So I expect them to be back uh, next Monday for their home opener versus Delaware state. So that'll be uh really uh, exciting. I'm excited. I got season tickets again. So really looking forward to uh, seeing the basketball squad uh, back and hopefully we can get Charlie on for, for a season preview. Yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah. I mean, lots of eyes on Penn state basketball this season. Um, nobody really knows, I guess, what we're going to get um it it's been a hell of a ride uh to get here after what happened with shrewsbury at the um kind of at the beginning of the off season um so yeah who knows i mean new era but uh you know hoping for the best yep uh positive thinking and it's one of those things where everybody's so new and you've uh, new faces. So I think it was good that they had the opportunity to go to the Bahamas and play a couple, couple games. You also have, uh, 
you know, this charity game. I think they're going to get some film down and, and learn a lot from that. So I thought those were some positives. Your starting lineup was uh, you had uh, Ace Baldwin Jr., VCU guy, uh, also Nick Kern starting, Kanye Clary earned a starting role. You had Zach Hicks out of Temple starting at the four, and then uh, Kudus Wahab starting at center. So those were the starting five. DeMarco Dunn, uh, he's kind of the, the sixth man right now. He got uh, about the same amount of mis- minutes as uh, Kanye Clary. So uh, he had a nice game. He was two of two from three. So uh, when the group only shot 18 and uh, did not only made 22% of those, that's big concern, especially when your average team's shooting around 33%. So um, definitely room for improvement, but I think we'll get some shooters back and we'll be all right. And we got some guys who've played some winning basketball. So we got guys who were, uh, you know, at North Carolina, which is obviously a big basketball school, uh, VCU basketball school, Temple. So a lot of good guys coming in from different places. Uh, so hoping they can put put together a nice squad this year and we can have some fun in the the BJC and in Rec Hall and even the Palestra. So yeah, be, and, and Madison Square Garden. They're uh, playing Georgia Tech there in December. So that'll be some fun, uh, fun traveling uh locations for you know the basketball team and i'm sure for alumni too because you know penn state has a lot of alumni in new york city so that'd be good good for them to catch a game since they can't always make it down to uh happy valley yeah uh anything else you want to get to before we get out of here yeah did you see uh pat narduzzi's quote after oh, they got we, annihilated we need, by notre dame we need to talk about this yeah, <laughs> let's talk about it. So for our, our yeah. fans who didn't see it, do you want to uh, kind of paraphrase what he said? Sure. Yeah. So just to kind of tee this up. So Pitt, who is having, I guess, what we'll call a forgettable season so far this year, lost 58 to seven against number 12, Notre Dame. Um, I didn't look at the official like box score, but I guess um, it wasn't Christian Veyer's uh, best day, but four interceptions. Yeah. So he's pulling his uh, best Nathan Peterman. <laughs> but um, so after the game, Pat Narduzzi had a quote that kind of caught fire and not in the best way. So one of the reporters from the, uh, I believe it's the Pittsburgh Post Gazette, um, who, you know, attends like the post-game press conferences, just like all the beat writers do for Penn State and with James Franklin, um, pulled out this little quote, um, and I'll read the entire quote because, and I'll, I'll explain why I'm reading the entire quote here in a second, but the full quote is, I'll go, um, I'll go back as a football coach. You lose a lot of good players from a year ago, and you think as a coach you're going to replace them, and obviously we haven't. Again, it starts with me. I didn't do a good enough job coaching today. Put it on me and we've got to make plays. So the reason why it's really important to say this in its entirety is because the original quote that was released was we lost a lot of good players last year. We thought we'd replace them and we obviously didn't do a good job with that. And that just exploded. Like everybody was retweeting it. Everybody was reacting to it. Everybody had like a comment about it. And what was really kind of like, you know, ugh, this is getting kind of sticky was the fact that uh, current pit players 
were reacting to this. They were retweeting the quote, kind of just voicing their displeasure with their head coach for saying something, you know, whether it was like within its full context or not. Um, so not, not a great look. I mean, like this is just like the latest in like a saga of like Narduzzi missteps. And, um, you know, this is not, this is not a way to like, you know, amp up your team when you're like two and six, you just lost like by a thousand points to Notre Dame like this ain't the move so um what are your thoughts Vince dude you can say a lot of things as a coach but you can't say say you don't have good players especially when you're the one who's offering them the scholarships yeah like isn't that wild like it's it's and just like you you can criticize effort you can criticize you know mental errors not being focused missing their assignments you can criticize like performance. Um, they didn't perform well or whatever, but you just can't say we didn't replace our good players with the players you have in your roster. Yeah. Like that's just insane. Like, like how many pit guys do you think are going to enter the portal now? Like based off of oh, those I comments, know. like, yeah, that's just disrespecting your, your players and saying they're not good at football. And if you don't think they're good at football, why, why are you bring them into your program? Like, what are you doing? Like, it's just a, a classic, you know, Pat Narduzzi thinking he's, you know, the best thing since sliced bread and just, you know, blowing air. And, and this time it, it turned around and bit him in the butt. So, yeah, you know, it's just one of those things. And, you know, I think he's on the hot seat. I, I think I, I think Pitt's going to let him go after this year and after comments like that and. I think they're going to they're going to head in another direction. Like there's better guys yeah. out there than Pat Narduzzi that you can get coaching at Pitt. And I uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it it's it's sticky because they they gave him they gave him a big contract. There's a like a big buyout with that. So, I don't know if like financially they they feel like they can kind of eat that yet. I mean, you know, like realistically speaking, this will be like the first really really bad season that Pitt is going to have under Narduzzi. I mean, they're probably going to finish like with his worst record. So my guess is that they'll be like, okay, like, you know, obviously this wasn't acceptable. We're going to say this is like an anomaly and we'll move on to 2024. But if this becomes a trend, then this conversation gets very different very quickly. Um, the, the leash is shorter though. Like, let's just say that. I mean, you, you can't be like, you can't be losing these games and like losing your players and um, just degrading them via these quotes and stuff like that. And I mean, like within its full context, I mean, everybody, you know, certain people were like, oh, you know, it, it was taken out of context and stuff like that. And like, you know, the full quote of it is like, you know, it kind of makes it like seem better and stuff like that. Not really. Like he still, he still said those exact words just surrounded by other words like that was just normal coach speech. Like he still said the thing. So I, I think that's, that's wild. Um, you know, I like it, it, like it's, it's like, he's like reached peak himself where he's like saying these sorts of things like about his own players, which is absolutely incredible. And did you see that? Like Dion actually had like a similar quote. Really? Prime? Yeah. What, yeah. what did he say? So, 
Um, somebody asked him after the game, uh, I guess Shador got sacked something like four times. I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe it was probably higher. Um, but uh, so he, he's been like kind of not getting like a bunch of, you know, a ton of protection, like from the offensive line and stuff like that. And so the reporter um, asked the question, quote, in terms of the big picture, how do you keep Shador upright and healthy? Deion Sanders, quote, the big picture, you go get new linemen. That's the picture, and I'm going to paint it perfectly. So the king of the transfer portal has said that he needs a new offensive line. So <laughs> this, uh, yeah, I mean, different energy a little bit with Dion versus uh, Narduzzi, but kind of similar sentiments. It's like, I don't know, like college football coaches who recruit like you know part of their job is to like bring in this talent that you have in front of you like to be calling these guys out is just absolutely wild like you know like it's just super disrespectful of your team but also Mm -hmm. is that not kind of like an indictment of yourself as like a talent evaluator and like you know your ability to like acquire the talent that you need yeah, and, and offensively, there have been games where they've been putting up points in the 40s. Like, it's not like their offense is, is terrible, like, by any means. And, you know, you can I, – I think you can criticize them. Uh, they got to perform better. Our linemen got to, like, you know, perform better so Shador has more time to throw or scramble or whatever he needs to do. And that's like, exactly the message like, that why? James Franklin says. He says our wide receivers need to, like, make the plays. He's not degrading them. He's not saying these yeah. guys aren't good or that they're like, that they're not like, you know, that they're not as good as like X, Y, Z players of the past. He's saying these guys need to make plays more consistently. So that's the difference. Yeah. And that's, that's a perfectly okay thing to say. Like you're, you're not embarrassing them on, on national television. Like these are, these are still freaking kids. Like, yeah, they're like, they, like, they don't even like, they don't, they don't even know what's, you know, like life. They don't know much about like life, like as like if you're, <laughs> when you're 30, like you learn so much in your twenties. Like it's, it, it's, it's, it's amazing. So these kids don't even like know anything. I mean, you know, they're like compared to someone who's older and then you have someone who's older, you know, in their forties or whatever, making comments like that. It's like, what are you doing? These are kids, man. Like it's, yeah, it's like, they're goofy kids. They make mistakes. Like, you know, there's no need to embarrass them on like national television. And like, even when you talk to like high school coaches and stuff, like be like, Oh, how are you feeling against like this team? Like I- I've talked to like different high school coaches and they're like, Oh yeah, that other team is more, more talented than us. So we're probably not going to win, but whatever. But like, they're not publicly in like the newspaper saying like, Oh yeah, I need to get better players or like, are we just, yeah, d- the, best players didn't best athletes didn't come out for the program this year in the school or whatever. Like, it's like, what do you, what are these like college coaches doing? Like, you're just, you're not only just embarrassing these kids, you're just making a fool of yourself as like a grown man. No, I think that, I think that sums it up perfectly. So yeah, I mean, wild quote, um, you know, and like somebody made, somebody made the comment, like, well, not somebody, everybody on the internet was like making the comment of like, Okay, so these guys aren't protecting your son as up to like the standards that you think they should. And now you just say that you're just going to like throw them to the curb and get new players. And you have four games left. How much 
effort do you think they're going to put into protecting your son now? You know? Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, I, I don't know if this is like some twisted way to like issue like a challenge to like be better, but the tone of it definitely is, you know, just kind of seems mean spirited. Yeah. Then those, those are conversations you have behind closed doors. Like that. Yeah. It's like, that's not stuff you have in the media, like media, like, yeah, they can be like, Oh, Colorado's offensive line's bad. And then like, whatever, like, you know, that's, that's part of media's job to, you know, have a reaction to the team. But when you're the coach yeah. and you're, you're like with these kids all the time and like, you know, yeah. their families, like, yeah, I just, it doesn't seem, seem right to do. And, but, you know, I mean, as long as they're bringing, selling tickets and bringing money into the program, like in television contracts, like people are going to, people are going to pay for it. So yeah, you're they, right. They, they figure out they can do whatever they want. So they just say what they want. Yeah. Yeah. That, that was all I had though. I, I just, I like had to bring it up because it just like blew up <laughs> after the game. It, it was like, like not only did you lose by like 50 points, you also had this you know, just all time like negative comment. So just had to say it. Yeah. Um, more of a positive though, for a former quarterback, Will Levis looked pretty good today. Dude, guy's got a he, cannon. Everybody he, already knew. He, he sure proved me wrong. I didn't think he was going to be any good in first game. He has four <laughs> touchdowns. Well, everybody thought Daniel Jones was going to be good after his first, you know, real NFL game too. So that's you know, true. Jur- jury's still out, but he, he looked pretty good. You know, like he, He's not afraid to throw it down the field. So um, I think he and DeAndre are going to get get along just fine. Yeah, I'm I'm liking that. And uh, so, yeah, good to see him do well, former Penn Stater. So, yeah, yeah it was cool. Uh, yeah, really cool to see. And yeah, it's a good, good time watching. Good vibes. Uh, good vibes. Uh, Eagles pulled out a close one today, too. That was. Ugly that win. was. Yeah. Oh, I mean, it was like it. <laughs> It goes back to the thing. It's like sometimes the Eagles and Penn State are largely the same team some weekends <laughs> because everybody seems to be able to stop Sam Howell and the commander's offense. But when it comes we to can. the Eagles, after they largely shut down to Otago Vailoa and the fastest, most dynamic offense in football, we can't stop Sam Howell. And Jahan Dotson, which it was cool to see Jahan like having he success, making big plays and stuff like that. But damn it, doesn't like it doesn't need to happen against the Eagles, man. It, it doesn't. Um, yeah, but uh, like the Eagles today, it's like at least their offense moves the ball down the field, and they had like a couple turnovers yep. in in the red zone, which is not ideal. But they're not going to do that every week, you know. No, but it was positive that they were moving the the ball up and down the field pretty effortlessly today. Hmm. Yep. Like they, could, they could have scored a lot more than 38, which is a, yeah. is a positive in, in my book. That's very true. Yeah. So, so not, not all doom and gloom. You got anything else? Uh, I think we, we can put a bow on this one. Sweet. Uh, so for all of you listening out there, thank you again for tuning in. We really appreciate it. Uh, we'll be back this upcoming week with a preview of the game against Maryland. So tune in later this week for that. 
Um, until then, you can check out our website at nittanyboos.com. You can listen to all of our previous episodes there. If you want to learn a little bit more about how to support the show, help us do some cool things uh, with this content, especially if you're enjoying it, you can learn more on how to do that at nittanyboos.com support. You can check out our merch at shop.nittanyboos.com. And other than that, you can follow us on all forms of social media at nittanyboos or nittanyboospod. Uh, Vince, take it away. Yeah. Uh, if you're interested in new episodes, you can subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or other streaming platforms to be notified. Thank you for listening, and we are t- want to remind you that we are the Nittany Blues Podcast. We'll see you next time.